Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Aliza Lick, founder and president of Leave Your Mark, LLC. She has had an incredible career, starting out in editorial at Marie Claire before moving to the flip side, working in PR, public relations, if you don't know what PR stands for, at Donna Karen, where she created DKNY PR Girl and kept it a secret for two whole years, and she worked at Alice and Olivia. We would highly recommend reading her book and listening to our podcast, all of which are called Leave Your Mark. Both of us are thoroughly enjoying both. Elisa, thank you for being here. Thank you, ladies. It's a pleasure. I mean, it's absolutely a pleasure. I love your whole dynamic, the mother-daughter <laughs> duo. It's fabulous. Thank you. You are fabulous. Thank so, you. And I know that you were thinking about pursuing medicine at first before fashion, which is kind of similar to Eva Chen. Yes. All right. So tell us about, walk us through the decision to stop pursuing medicine, even though it was your major, you had been doing this for years and instead focus on fashion. So I grew up in the eighties and in the eighties, you know, the high school guidance counselors would tell you the jobs that were available were like lawyer, teacher, Mm -hmm. doctor. There were really no creative jobs that anyone told you about. And although I was fashion obsessed and my room was wallpaper to magazines, I never stopped to think about that masthead page where it lists all the employees and their job titles and what that would actually mean. So I went to college, I was really kind of good at science in high school and also artistic and I thought, oh wow, you know, maybe I combine those two things and be a plastic surgeon. So I interned for plastic surgeons in high school, like I did a lot of pre-work, went to college. Um, started out as a nutrition major and then actually pivoted to neurobiology and physiology only because my boyfriend at the time was that major a year ahead. <laughs> so I thought that would be super helpful in you know, getting a leg up, but then we broke up, so it didn't actually work out. Um, the truth. And I ended up my junior year doing this horrible internship in a hospital in Long Island where I'm from, wearing scrubs, wearing, you know, surgical masks, clogs, doing ER shifts. I would have red lipstick all over my face because, of course, I had it on and then I put the mask oh on top. And it just, it was it was sort of miserable. Um, on a more serious note, my grandmother lived with us um, for 13 years after she had a stroke and she was sort of dwindling down. So between being depressed in a hospital all day, coming home to seeing sort of her spiraling down, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm such a happy person. I don't think I want to be around this all day long. Mm -hmm. But of course, it was too late to change your major. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up graduating, you know, with a Bachelor of Science and then, you know, told my parents that I don't want to be a doctor, which didn't thrill them. (laughs) Thanks for the education. I mean, my dad, my dad was a dentist and he was he was always very cool. My mom, not so cool. Love her, but not cool. Super uptight. And she was just like, what are you going to do? You're throwing it all away. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you just don't want to tell your friends that I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. Right. That yeah. is the truth. But, you know, I think I felt really strongly that, like, when you have that pit in your stomach and you're like, something's wrong you kind of can't ignore it. Right. So um, everyone, all my friends were making plans to go to Europe after college. And I was like, you know what? I need to buckle down. I need internship experience. So that's when I applied to a few fashion magazines and ended up interning at Harper's Bazaar. Oh, my gosh. Well, good for you for not 
traveling around and getting serious about figuring all of this out. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think I'm a responsible person. So I kind of knew, like, that was my moment. Like, if I really want to do this, I need to, like, you know, not just talk the talk. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you have had such an incredible career. Thank Maybe you. walk us through for those that aren't aware. Where does your drive come from? So I think intuitively, you know, my father was a very, very hard worker and also very entrepreneurial, which being a dentist, you're not usually. So he was always mm -hmm. thinking about sort of like how to expand his brand, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, he passed away 10 years ago, so mm -hmm. past tense. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I started at Mary Claire um, after Harper's Bazaar for two years, and I wanted to just be indispensable. That was my goal. And I did as much as I could. I Even at Harper's as an intern, I was the first person in, turned on the lights, was the last person to leave. That led to my recommendation from my boss at Harper's to get me the job at Mary Claire. So I think it's an intuitive thing where you know like if you do the best work you can, mm -hmm. people will appreciate it and hopefully propel you forward. So, um, and I'm also not someone who kind of is satisfied with the results of the day for longer than the day. Mm -hmm. So like, I will accomplish something and be like, oh my God, amazing, I feel great. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, so what's next? That's her. I'm, like, I'm so excited when we've done something and it's been really successful, but I'm like, ooh, we can relax. Yeah, and she's immediately going to the next thing, just like, hell. Yeah. So I think, it's, I think it's your nature and uh -huh. it's my nature too. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of, you know, where it comes from. And I, I, you know, for, you know, jumping from editorial to PR was really a result of not finding a more senior role in editorial. I interviewed at various magazines at the time in fashion, people were in their jobs for a decade or more. Sure. Editors did not move. Right. And I thought to myself, like, am I going to be like an assistant for the next five years? Like, right. I've already done so much because my boss let me do so much. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what? I speak to these PR people all day long. I know who I like to work with, who I don't. Maybe I can do it. And and that's how I ended up at Donna Karen. Mm -hmm. And you know, essentially spent my entire, you know, bulk of my career, 17 years working for Donna mm -hmm. Karen, moving up within the company, ultimately becoming, you know, the SVP of global communications. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And tell us some of your best networking tips. So back when I was, you know, really sort of coming up in the industry, my feeling was, you know, in my 20s, when I'm single and have the time, I am going to be out every single night meeting as many people as I can and sort of building those relationships because I knew I wanted to get married, I knew I wanted to have kids, and I knew that I, w I wouldn't want to do that later. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, Definitely. yes. So, I've always been someone, I'm, I'm very authentic in the mm -hmm. sense that I, nothing makes me crazier than fake people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm very true to my word. I'm a really good friend. I'm mostly a listener. So if I grab dinner or coffee with someone, I'm normally the person who's listening and advising, which mm -hmm. is really the mentor in me. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just a good friend and someone who supported really anyone I came in contact with who I thought deserved 
support mm -hmm. and it just comes back in spades mm -hmm. you know so when you build you know real relationships right. and let's be honest it's different now I mean so much is on tech so much is on social online it's less so in person and I think the in-person is so important mm -hmm. um, yeah. so that's really I mean it's good old-fashioned relationship building mm -hmm. I, I feel like she will be you I mean you know in her <laughs> dreams maybe but what I'm saying is she's out every single night she, you know, when, when she first moved here and we would go to events and things, she knew no one. I certainly didn't know many people. And now you can't get through the room for Delia, especially knowing people because she's out every night, loves networking just like you. So you, you're just a great mentor to people because of social media. It's even more important, right, to yes. go to events, show up for people when they ask you to come and support them. Yes, um, you raise a great point because a lot of times, you know, it's hard to go out sometimes mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's hard to support people, but if you do support your friends, mm -hmm. they will support you. They remember yeah. it. And especially, I always think like if you know you have something coming up where you're going to need support, mm -hmm. then why not strategically make an effort to mm -hmm. help people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense, too. And one of the things that I struggle with as an entrepreneur, now we're being very serious about generating lots of revenue and focusing on that. So instead of me running around the city, commuting 30 minutes each way, do you have any tips on how to choose what to say yes versus no to? Mm, such a good question. Um, so last year, I always have like a New Year's theme, and my 2019 theme was say yes to everything. Mm. Okay. Because I typically, you know, as I'm older now in my mm -hmm. 40s, and even though my kids are older and they don't mm -hmm. need me as much, they still need me. Oh, most right? definitely. And the homework situation is a nightmare. So, <laughs> gotta crack the whip on that. So, I've gotta be around. Yes. Right? yes. And um, so, I don't wanna be out every night. You don't wanna miss that no. either. I mean, well, you know. I, actually, I would like to miss homework. Well, really, homework you, you know, could miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other night I came home from an event and my son Jonathan was like, can you test me on biology? I'm like, uh, I don't really want to, <laughs> but sure. And you would actually be able to do that. Yes. Yes. yes Whereas yes. we would not. Yes. So. Um, so I think that you have to really think about what the audience is going to be when you're there. So for example, a cocktail party where someone's hosting it, whether it's a work event or a friend event. I consider those drive-bys. Mm -hmm. I come, I say hello, I congratulate them, or whatever sort of mm -hmm. is called for. I do a lap, and I'm out. Mm -hmm. Any event where there's any sort of carpet situation where I'm like, okay, I need to show my face, mm -hmm. I need to get a picture, mm -hmm. do a lap, leave. Mm -hmm. So I, my, my stints are short. Right. It's very rare that I will stay somewhere for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So that one allows me to do multiple things in a night sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, two, you know, I really think about, okay, has this person supported me or do I want this person's support? Mm -hmm. And then I will make a decision that way. Or if it's beneficial for my career to be somewhere and show my face, then of course I'll consider that. But for the most part, now that it's a new year, um, while that's no longer my theme necessarily, that's still sort of the barometer of how I decide. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Yes. She'll call me and say, okay, these are the three events for tonight. What, you know, what do you think? Which one? And you're like, okay, well, this one's definitely cocktail. This one's definitely not. So you're going to be, you know, this one's 
halfway across town. This one, you, you know, you're going to go into a party where no one else is in cocktail, but that might be fine too. But, um, you know, it is strategy. Strategy. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> Since you were at Donna Karen for so many years in communications, tell us about some of the crazy pitches <laughs> for New York Fashion Week emails <laughs> that you received. Oh, man. I, so when I was teaching my PR girl, I used to tweet these, and of course I would redact the names of, of the course. people. <laughs> But, you know, thousands would come in. Thousands. And I'm not mm. exaggerating when I say thousands. Mm. And, you know, people, you know, of course it was early days for influencer, right? So mm -hmm. it was more bloggers then. And mm -hmm. it was the sort of baby introduction of bloggers. And, you know, people would email and say, you know, I have a thousand viewers a month. And I'm like, you know, like my dog has more views than that. Right. right. I didn't have a dog back then. But I'm just right. saying, like, right. people that are just like... And you have to really realize, and this is not meant to be mean, right? but fashion shows, certainly back then, especially Donna Karen, you're talking very limited seating. Right. And you've got to include all your press, you've got to include all your buyers, friends of the house. Right. There really aren't just these extra seats. Mm -hmm. and. Even though there's standing room for the most mm -hmm. part, it's usually for for the employees. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, my my PR team was probably including my you know my European counterparts. There's probably over 20 people. Like when everyone was seated and the right. show was about to start, we have to go somewhere. We right. have to we have to fit in somewhere. So right. you have to be very. Um, sort of disciplined in the way that mm -hmm. you say yes to people. But, you know, I, I, the ones I remember the most is like, you know, coming from this super fancy dry cleaner in New York City, asking for tickets for their CEO and in exchange for a year of dry cleaning. And I'm like, oh, well. no, thank you. <laughs> that would be fancy. <laughs> yeah, personally, yeah. I'll take it. I, I was really, that is funny. Um, That's funny. I was really, really legit in my decisions. Like I never oh, sure. did of anything course. for like my own benefit. Oh, of course. of course. Um, well, I think people would, right? Oh, sure. I mean, that's so. an easy thing. Be like, oh, I'll add them for free dry cleaning. I, wow. I was, I was very, I was very um, careful to not abuse yes. anything. Um, but you know, people <laughs> would just write these crazy, crazy emails and telling you about, you know, their client, A-list celebrity, and blah, 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 and then you reach out, oh, you know, what's your client's name? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, Joe Schmo. And you're like, wow, I'm sorry, what has what your client been in? I'm not, I'm not familiar. Princess and, of what country? Yeah, it, well, prince, of course, many princesses, what do you mean? I mean, it was, it was, it was just ridiculous. I mean, I wish I saved them. Right. Because it's hard to remember now. Right. But any lie you could tell has been told to me. Oh, that is so funny. To get a ticket. That is hysterical. Oh my god. Because it was a big it was a big deal yes, back then to go most to fashion. Definitely. Week. And tell us, like, what does it look like preparing for a show on the PR side? <sighs> oh my gosh. So even though we had a lot of digital twos, we had fashion GPS and events GPS right. yeah. um, for, you know, guest list and show seating, we still had a physical board. Mm -hmm. So every person was a sticker. And we would move people around the board just like you do a board game. Sure. And 
besides the fact that literally you would, you know, walk out of the room and I, I'll never forget, like Carla, who worked for me as the VP of PR, she was like walking out of the room and I'm like, I think Andre Leontali's on your ass right there. Like, the, oh, how you funny. Know, the sticker stuck to you. And that it's is like, so funny. And if you lose yes. that sticker, he's gone <gasps> on the board. You right. know? Someone so, else is put there. Right. Yeah. So we would sort of daven, as they say in um, mm-hmm. our Jewish terms of like really like pray over like where everyone mm-hmm. was seated. And, you know, it was super late nights. And I'll never forget one night we were showing at Bryant Park and MX was a sponsor um, for Fashion Week back then. And they had a certain number of seats. And we, Carla and I, it was like two in the morning, we're all there. And we're like finally done seating everyone. And there's a couple sprinkles of empty seats, but for the most part, everyone's on the board. We have RSVPs from everyone. And I like move something over and I uncover three (gasps) full sheets of labels of people, buyers. Oh no. That were never seated. Oh no. So now (gasps) we're looking at the board. Oh god. And one of those sheets was 30 sponsors from Alex, like 30 guests from Alex. Oh no. I'm like, Carla, we Oh no. What what do we do? Because now, don't forget, the seat assignments are done. Everyone has their seat assignments. We we oh, press a button on the They know yeah, yeah. like if like if like if I send you and you know you're like row one seat. Like they still do. Two. Right. Yeah. And I then have to tell you, oh, sorry, Delia, actually, you're, you're gonna go to row six. <laughs> right. Because I, I it was yeah. it was a disaster. Yeah really a disaster so um dealing with stuff like that i mean but it was how did you do how did you deal with it so what i did was i actually there was this upper level in the space Mm -hmm. that probably was a great view sure but no one really would want to sit there Mm -hmm. so i called the next morning i called um you know amex uh, or something not amex it was um I can't remember who, what, like an entity, like IMG or who, yeah. whomever was running Fashion Week, and I was like, can we take those sponsor seats and put our entire contingency mm-hmm. from Japan there? Mm-hmm. Like every buyer, mm-hmm. every press, just all of Japan. Mm-hmm. And we sort of maneuvered around because it was, it was too cherry-picked over. You couldn't. Yeah. I had like big groups of people right. and nowhere to put them. Um, but it, those days are so joyous to me to remember because it's such bonding. So in the it's thick everyone of working too. so yeah. hard. I mean, working with Donna, standing next to her in design, watching her, you know, fit looks on a model, mm-hmm. trying to get her attention to look over the press release, which you know you'd stand there and she would just ignore you. And oh, how funny! Like Donna, can we like you know, can, like we, we really go- want to go to print? Like, can we like go over this? And <laughs> yeah. she's like you know, come back in an hour. And I'm like, but that would be like 10 times over. Right. Come back in an hour, come back in an hour. But right. it it was just an amazing, yeah. it was also an amazing time in fashion. Right, 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 right. Because I do consider it like the heyday. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. Yeah. I'm not sure what's happening. I know. I'm not I, sure what's I happening either. Have experience. Well, that. you get to hear about it well, right you now. Well, you did You were at Barney's. You had some of it. Yeah, in the early days. I know. Okay, let's see. What is your favorite fashion story? My favorite fashion story? Um, wow. There's so many. I mean, in what category? Mm-hmm. In like in my own experience with like celebrity or 
just in general. I mean, I, it's so hard to say. Mm-hmm. I've had so many. Um, gosh, I think one of, you know, obviously, you know, dressing celebrities for right. fashion, uh, for award show season um, was always kind of like the Olympics for us, mm-hmm. other than the Fashion Week Olympics that we had. Mm-hmm. And um, just every award show that we were successful and watching E Red Carpet and seeing whomever we dress come out on the carpet, I would say, was always the pinnacle of like, we've done it. Right. Like, we've really done it. And certainly when we thought we did it right. and the girl came out and she was not in Donna Karen, those were also super memorable because that was sure. devastating. So, so that that was indeed the way it was done then too, where they have a choice of dresses and the publicist or whatever we'll call or stylist and say, pretty sure she'll be wearing your piece. And then you still don't know until they're actually... So actually what happens is you lend, you know, you lend samples to Mm -hmm. stylists. Mm -hmm. They all share them on the back end. So dresses move from one to the next. And I would say now they're much more collaborative than they were back then with each other. There were, you know, stylists who would hoard dresses, pretend that they were going to be used just to make sure that no one else got them. Um, That's terrible. But you would also have the opportunity to possibly make a custom dress for someone. Right. Uh, either way, whether it was custom or a sample, at a point where you've gone through multiple fittings and the stylist says, it's confirmed, mm-hmm. it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very strong term. And to have something be confirmed and then not worn is kind of rare. Mm-hmm. But it did happen to me for the Oscars one year, and mm-hmm. it was it was bad. It resulted in a lot of cupcakes. I was like, I'm just gonna eat my feelings right now. Yeah, but and I bet the relationship, some relationships were damaged there, I would think. Well, a little bit, or is not, it just the way the game is played? It's just the way the game is played. I think, you know, just like you guys, you get dressed for a black tie, mm-hmm. all the, you know, you think you're gonna wear something, all right. of a sudden you put it on, you feel bloated, you're like, sure, I'm not sure. wearing that. Yeah. Or, in the case of celebrity, there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, it's the person's mother, it's the hairdresser who doesn't oh, like I have it. That it's all the time. it's oh. the publicist, the manager, the assistant. I mean, yes. everyone has an opinion. So really, right. when you do succeed, it's a wonder. <laughs> <laughs> they listened to the expert is what they did, finally. And any horrifying stories besides well, that, that Oscar one? <laughs> um, that was horrifying. There was also, you know, we were, of course, protective over who we worked with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was very passionate about is making sure that no one was in a similar dress mm-hmm. to each other if we were dressing multiple people. And... Um, one time, like I said, dresses are passed on the back end. Mm. I had gotten a request for a celebrity um, by Philip Locke, the stylist, mm-hmm. who I don't think he styles anymore, but mm-hmm. he um, he requested this dress. I said no. I said someone else is wearing something similar. Um, and somehow he got his hands on it because wow. it was in L.A. for other reasons. And... I don't know how, maybe Hal Rubenstein, um, who was maybe at InStyle at the time, he somehow heard 
he's like, oh, you're dressing so-and-so? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I declined that. And he was like, well, I think she has your dress. Oh, gosh. So I called Philip, and I was like, Philip, I told you no. Like, she can't wear that. There's someone else wearing something similar. He's like, well, I can't take it back from her now. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You have to. You have to. And it was a massive fight. Massive. Oh, gosh. And I finally, I finally got it. But, um... I mean, it was crazy. And in addition to the fact that, like, one time, I'll never forget, like, I needed to get a dress back because Donna was staying at Barbara Streisand's house, and she decided last minute she's going to go to the Oscars, and she wanted to wear this specific dress. And it was with a stylist, and the stylist refused to give it to me. And I'm like, oh this is for Donna Karen. Right. Like, and Barbara Streisand. Her name is in the gown. Like, it's right. the label. It's her dress. You have to release it. And people, I mean, people were wow. crazy about dresses back then. I mean, I'm sure they still are. But well, and there weren't so many designers, too, I would think. No, right? there were. The, there were, but like... But the main ones If like their that. client wants to wear it, right. they're going to fight tooth and nail right. to keep that dress. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah, that matters more to them, it sounds like, than the relationship with the house, <clears throat> which... Yeah, for knows. sure. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> In today's crowded and algorithmic landscape, how can people succeed and grow on social media? Hmm. So, really, I think you have to have a very strong point of view in your content strategy and being really authentic in how you sort of create that content. I don't know if you guys read this, but yesterday I read that Facebook is now putting out a um, like a stamp when something's been photoshopped I saw that. on your posts, wow. which I think is amazing um, because I think Instagram has gotten to a place where it's so plastic right. that it's almost meaningless. Right. And you know everyone talks about that Instagram aesthetic and. and it's something that I actually just hate and I've always right. hated. So even when I was doing DKY PR Girl, less so on Instagram because Instagram mm -hmm. didn't come out till 2011. Mm -hmm. But you know, I never had a content calendar. I never, I, everything, I took all my own pictures. Everything was sort of on the right. fly. And I think people really responded to that because it was just real. Right. It was and real. now everything is just the same. I mean, if I see one more influencer in a hat and boots, I'm going to lose right. my mind because it's just, everyone's the same right. and it's boring. So the people that aren't the same, I think really stand out. I will tell you that um, I had a really interesting sort of experiment with my sister. Um, two summers ago, we started this Instagram account called homesick.com. That's cute. Which is camp letters. Oh, that's so cute. That kids send home because our kids are in camp and her daughter was really homesick and she was super upset. So I was like, oh, come on, Ilana. Like, everyone's homesick at one point. This right. is funny. Like, it's <laughs> funny. You'll laugh at this one day. Right. And I'm like, we should start an Instagram account. So we did. And it's really funny camp letters or really homesick camp letters. <laughs> but the point is, we get screenshots from moms who DM us the letters. Right. It's horrible photography. It's poor resolution. It's these kids' handwriting that you cannot read. We grew 9,000 followers last summer organically because it's so damn funny. Absolutely. That it doesn't even matter. And it resonates, yeah. So when people, like, you know, slave over these photos of themselves, it's like, you don't have to do that. You just need to have right. great, real content. It's really crazy when you look at those 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 uh, accounts where there's so many of them that have millions of followers 
and they're all they all kind of look the same yeah. and are wearing the same clothes. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't follow any of that. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that many of their names, but I have <laughs> seen them, and I'm just like, wow. Um, I mean, there are some influencers who do a great job. They're absolutely, sure. absolutely. Tell us about the biggest challenge you've had to overcome. So many. Um, well, let's start with the fact that I grew up with a stutter. So public speaking was a horror show for me. And when I say public speaking, I don't mean getting up on stage to do mm-hmm. talk. I mm-hmm. mean like getting up in my classroom to right. do a book report or right. in yeah. camp, sitting around a circle where everyone goes around and says their name. Yeah. I mean, horror show. Ugh. So, and I'm many, many years of this, mm-hmm. you know, going to speech therapy and trying to sort of overcome it. I mean, it was, it was like a mind game too because I would talk myself into things. I would like be like, oh, well, I I can't say vowels. So that would be like my new thing for oh, the week. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, my name starts with a vowel. So that's right. a problem. Oh, yeah. So I would I would psych myself out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even in college, I'll never, I mean, any situation where I had to introduce myself was it's awful. horrible. So finally, you know, overcame it. But I will say that every time I go on stage to do a talk, I get that initial pit in my stomach of mm-hmm. like, what if I stutter? Because right. it's somewhere deep inside, right. but it like could come back somehow. Somehow, right. because I think it's you know a little bit of a mental thing too. Oh, oh, most definitely. So that was a huge challenge. Um, Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. And you know, I think that was that was something that my mom worked really hard on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, other challenges. Let's see. Well, I I recently sort of. Um, shared publicly that I got breast cancer in 2015, mm-hmm. which thank God is not something right. Um, okay right now. And so that was, that was a private challenge because mm-hmm. I didn't share it with anyone, mm-hmm. but that was also, um, when my book came out. Mm-hmm. So I was Great. dealing with my book happiness right. and then my personal sadness. Right. Um, so that was huge. And then, um, you know, I think really Donna Karen stepping down as a designer yep. in 2015 and my mentor, Patty Cohen, stepping down, mm-hmm. that was a huge mourning period for everyone. Sure. Um, really, truly the end of an era. So that was yes. a really hard thing also. Right. I bet it was. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and there's so, so many more, <clears throat> excuse well, me. So many more challenges that I've gone through, but um, I think at the end of the day, I always kind of look at everything as like another thing on my to-do list to handle, and I don't really dwell on like I'm not like like a woe is me person. No, it's almost the opposite. It's like look what I've accomplished and and you know conquered and that kind of thing. I have a friend who this morning is having reconstruction surgery Mm. from breast cancer. So. yeah, those are very real things and things that have made you stronger, as we always hear. Yes, that's true. And how do you think the PR industry has changed since you started working in it? Wow, I mean, it's so different. So first of all, think about it. Back in the day, PR people were the gatekeepers. Yeah. Right? They crafted the message. They controlled the message. They were the spokespeople. Then comes Twitter and Instagram and everything else. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, talent has a way of just putting out there what they want to say. And in a way, it made it easier for publicists and harder. 
Uh, because, you know, PR people would wake up, especially celebrity PR people, would wake up in the morning and realize what their client had tweeted the night Shock before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then have to clean up that mess. Um, I would say that because brands have their own voice and have built their own communities on social, it's, you know, you need PR for sort of third-party credibility, and it's great to have it as like a stamp of approval. Like if you're in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, like right. those are stamps of approval. But at the end of the day, you know, when social media really became a thing, I would always say like, wait, should I send out this press release or should I just tweet it? Mm -hmm. Right. So it becomes less important as a tool to get to the media because the media is all on Twitter. Right. So any celebrity just has to tweet something and it's in the news. Right. I'll never forget the first time that I realized that a tweet would count as, right. a, as a quote. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you guys are not from here, but do you remember when the Bronx Zoo Cobra escaped sure. from the zoo? No, but we yes, put it in your book. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah oh, it is in my book. <laughs> yeah. um, so this cobra escaped from the zoo. I didn't even know they had cobras in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying. It's <laughs> all terrifying. I actually hate the zoo. Um, and um, I don't know, some brilliant person made like a Bronx Zoo Cobra Twitter account. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the cobra was tweeting, you know, with all these S's at the end of any word yes. that has an S. And it, I just found it hilarious. Yes. So, I started tweeting with the Cobra, and I, I, I was like, you know what, you're like so tickled that something's so funny. I was just enjoying I having was like so much having fun, so, so much fun myself, until the New York Times pulled a tweet and 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 ran it, and I was like, the New York Times looks at Twitter <laughs> and is like taking that as like a real quote, and I was like, shit, I better be careful on this thing. Like right. this is no joke. So that's sort of when PR, I, I think, mm -hmm. really sort of got turned over on its head. Mm -hmm. um, and now, listen, with digital, it does not drive revenue mm -hmm. alone. Like, you need to pull so many other levers. Mm -hmm. So I think from a brand perspective, you have to have such a multimedia strategy mm -hmm. to be able to sort of break through the noise. I know, and I feel like marketing companies and PR companies are really having to either get creative or sort of go in a whole new direction. Yeah, right? and some of them are disappearing. Or they're disappearing, yeah. most definitely. <clears throat> I think influencer now is something that PR agencies have sort of added to their roster. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. influencer strategy has sort of fallen under PR because they have to evolve too. And that's a way for them to sort of get back in the game. And, and yeah. So yeah. it's not just like, because print is done. Yeah. Basically. I know. But you also need someone who, you know, has the professional skills to, to guide you. And it's a sure. responsibility when you're just saying what you feel all the time and putting it out into the world. Absolutely. It's important. Yeah, that's a good reminder about, it's fascinating how whatever you post on social media, depending whatever way you want it to mean or not, people take things and they write articles based on yes. your Instagram post. And Tug Rice was telling us about how he's this fabulous illustrator and he mm -hmm. drew a picture of him like in the bath, you know, New Year, New You, whatever. And then the New York Times or somebody created this whole article about how millennials oh. are obsessed with taking baths and Tug Rice, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was right. like, wait, what? I didn't even, I didn't mean to say anything. <laughs> about being a millennial or right. yeah. yeah I was just drawing a picture right? so or you'll like go to a, an event and you post pictures and then some media company that wasn't even there they create a whole story using your images mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. It's crazy. Listen, it if you crazy. put it out there, it can be used against you. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my son this. Um, he was working on an essay for school. And um, I was saying the screenshot is way more powerful than the delete button. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're private. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about that kid who had his Harvard admissions pulled based mm-hmm. on his oh, yeah. his text messages. Yep. Yep. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, two years prior, he had said he had a racial slur in his text. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the friends shared it publicly and Harvard rescinded his admissions. So we were talking about like, wow, that's like on text message. Like that's I not even that's... like, and I was explaining to him like, even in your private conversations, right. mm-hmm. you you cannot, and you shouldn't anyway because no. it's despicable, but you yeah. cannot say things that you can't stand by later on. Right. Yeah. Right. I remember the music teacher <clears throat> in at elementary school for Delia, he said to the kids, it's like when you're brushing your teeth, you can get the toothpaste out of the tube, but you can't put it back into the Very tube. Very well said. And that's a good um, mm-hmm. analogy. Where do you think your strong sense of self comes from? Hmm, my mother, definitely. Uh, she's super strong and confident and always taught my sister and I to sort of be really uh, confident and share our opinions and fight for what we believe in. Awesome. Um, yeah, so definitely my mom. Yeah, and that's great. In your book, I think you were talking about, like, at meetings, I would typically, since on the buying team it's a lot of numbers, I would kind of try to be quiet and hope that I wasn't called on. (laughs) But you were saying it's so important to speak in meetings so that people hear what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, when if you think about it from the perspective of asking for a raise, if no one hears you speak or knows what your contributions are, it's really hard um, to prove, especially Mm -hmm. for your boss. You have to give your boss ammo Mm -hmm. to fight for your raise because Mm -hmm. you're asking your boss, but your boss is is asking her boss to approve the numbers. So you you have to make an impression wherever you are in whatever industry you're in. And it's not to say you need to bulldoze a meeting. Right. But you 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 know people have to know you're that you're a thought leader. Mm -hmm. Right. Tell us a baby did you have something? No, I was just saying that was a very good point. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us about your experience with TEDx and a snippet about your thoughts on being real, something very much in alignment with the style that binds us, and such a great TED talk. Everyone should listen to it. Oh, thank you. So that was the TED talk was really about the reveal of DKYPR girls. So like you said earlier, I was anonymous for two years and so from 2009 to 2011, I tweeted as this character and only like five people knew about it. And in a world where no one keeps a secret, I still can't believe it didn't get out. It's kind of crazy. Um, so I was at once I was revealed and um, I was asked to do a TED talk, which was in Times Square. And mm. uh, it was pretty intense, actually. They, they, they said, you know, you have 12 minutes um, <laughs> to speak. Uh. No notes, no monitors, mm. no anything. So I had to really practice that speech because also, you know, think about it, when you're trying to cover mm-hmm. a lot of topics, yeah. first of all, you want it to flow and make sense when people are listening to it, but also be a great story. I practiced a lot mm-hmm. for that TED Talk. 
including with media trainers. Like I was, that I took was it really seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think it's that great to be honest. When I look back at it, it's, I think I've done better talks, it, you know, I think later on, but it's, it's a great story. You did a great job. Oh, thank don't you. Don't sell yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. O-M-G. Mm. So I guess this can be any career in general, but for people who have maybe not started their career or maybe they want to switch jobs, what are some resume do's and don'ts? I actually wrote an article about this for Forbes where I interviewed top recruiters in Ooh. New York City to tell me what they want to see. Because while I think I know what I like to see, I wanted to make sure that the information I was writing and giving was truly what people want to see. So mm -hmm. I think first of all, and I actually told this, I do a lot of mentoring through my um, my site and someone had sent me a resume. Uh, this great girl, she's like a social media person, um, moved back here from London and is having a really hard time finding a job. So I said, I always say, you know, show me your resume and let me see what sure. people are seeing. And it was really well done from like a bullet point perspective, but like overly designed and mm. had her picture. And even though she's beautiful, it, that's really something that's much more popular in Europe. Mm -hmm. And in America, people want really simple resumes. Mm. And I think that in the top of your resume, there needs to be this sort of mission statement, like two to three sentences of like who you are, what value you bring, what's your skill set, what are you trying to do? Because the truth is that no one really reads the whole thing. Right. So if you don't capture their attention in that first opening blurb, you kind of lost mm -hmm. the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of true. Oh, and I will here. add, because I've had recent experience with this, mm -hmm. do not lie about your experience. Ooh. I have caught many people in lies. Wow. Many about their age, about where they've worked, about how many years they've worked wow. somewhere. No, I'm not. I'm serious. Like people, that's self sabotage. People are very manipulative. So yeah. do not lie. That's insane. When we had coffee, you told me somebody lied that they had worked somewhere for yes. five years. Yes, that's and right. Wow. Even not even interned or what? They, no, they had been there um, two months. Oh. Wow. <laughs> but, but they just were just for everyone listening. Why they did that was there were like four previous companies that they deleted from their resume and then just rolled that time well, into the oh, current wow. job. I know it's so easy to disprove. Of course it is. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. It is. It really is. <clears throat> so I should have read your book every month. I, was <laughs> I only read it once, which is to my detriment. But tell us about tips on how to navigate office politics. Oh man, I think first of all. There's some work that everyone needs to do themselves, which is you need to develop a thick skin. Hard. Hard. And actually, I wrote about this for Forbes as well. It's online. A lot of people take things very personally. And for the most part, yes, there's always some bad seeds in an office. But mm -hmm. for the most part, it's not personal. Right. It's either that the person is under intense pressure and stress and right. they are then taking it out on other people. Mm -hmm. Or they truly are a jerk, but for the most part, 
it's not personal. Right. And I think if you can sort of harden yourself in the workplace to like not like let things like slide off your back a little bit more, it, it just gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I also think, unfortunately, um, and this is again unfortunate because I do think it relates to women in particular. I think some women sort of thrive or I think they sort of, um, what's the word? Stir the pot. Um, no, I'm thinking, I'm like blanking on what it, how to say it. They, you're going you're to know what yeah. to say it after, but um, yeah. they, they really, they, when they smell fear mm -hmm. and they sense weakness, they prey on it. Pray on it. That's what I was looking for. Interesting. Um, and that is is really a sad thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to fake it till you make it. You really do. And you have to work. Um, you know, you have to be great at what you do and do the best job you can. But also, you know, try instead of, you know, going around and being sort of clueless. Like a lot of times, like mm -hmm. you're like, wait, I don't know how to do that or whatever. Like mm -hmm. research it. Research mm -hmm. it privately. You know, yes, you can ask trusted colleagues for help. Like, hey, I don't know how to do that. Like, can you just like, help? like I know you've done that before. Can you help me? But mm -hmm. when you ask for that kind of help, you need to make sure that person is on your team. Right. So. Which is difficult. There's a lot you can learn how to do yourself mm -hmm. online by a quick Google search. And I think you have to watch your back. Mm -hmm. I know, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but I think if but it is, is real life, reality, it is, it is real and, life. And I think to your question more directly, like how do you deal with it when there's someone who really is mean spirited or sort of after you or sort mm -hmm. of, you know, holding you back? I think you really, you have to face it head on. Mm -hmm. Like I have pulled many people into a conference room mm -hmm. and been like, okay, we need to work on this because this is not going to work for either of us. And right. I have, you know, I'm super confrontational when it, when it comes to stuff like that. And I... And you have to be. Right. Because people will back off. When they see that you're strong, they will back off. Right. Yeah. And then how can you be patient slash when do you know that you can ask for a promotion? Um, I have always been someone who kept track of, of my accomplishments. Yeah, that's through, so important. Throughout the year so that's that great. when it came time for reviews, mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about like, wow, what did I do this year? And it's amazing what you forget. Oh, sure. oh yeah. So I would like, if something great happened, I would literally like print it and like put it in a folder mm -hmm. and like not even look at it. And just yeah. by mm -hmm. the end of the year, I'd open Pull it up and folder. be like, oh my God, I don't even remember doing that. Right. That's great for my little review write up. <laughs> yeah. So you have to build your case. And I always came into my reviews with like a laundry list of like, these are the things I did above and beyond my job, right? Because mm -hmm. you get paid your salary for your job. Right? Sure. What have you done that's above and beyond? Either you've managed up and you're performing at a higher level mm -hmm. that you're not being paid for, mm -hmm. or you've done something that's, you know, you've, you've brought ideas to the table or you've innovated in a certain way within your, you know, the, the company structure where you've you know, mm -hmm. created new processes. Anything you've done that's special, mm -hmm. you have to present it. Yeah. And I think, you know, listen, it used to be that you'd have to wait a certain amount of time. I think at a year, you can ask for a promotion. I, I don't think before a year, anyone's yes. going to give you a promotion. Yeah, for no. sure. And then what are some tips to be the best employee possible? 
make your balls shine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's really really true. I mean, you if you focus on helping other people succeed, yeah, you're gonna succeed. Sure. I love that. And it's like literally in entrepreneurship and working, you have no ego. Put the ego away. Mm-hmm. Like just do things for the better just to raise everyone up. I remember when my boss in Ready to Wear at Barney's was going to Paris for the first time for Fashion Week and I was getting her all prepared, you know, even though I didn't get to go. I, mm-hmm. I was still making sure she had everything and I think she was really Checking in with her every day. That. So, absolutely. I, it, absolutely. Millennials and, have this ego. <laughs> 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 you know, I also think a lot of people think everything should happen really quickly. They do. They really do. And, you know, succeeding in your career doesn't happen at the speed of your Instagram feed. Right. Right. Like, when did you become DKNY PR girl? How long had you been working when you created that persona? Oh, gosh. I started working in 98 at Donna Karen, and I created that in 2009. Right. I mean, you know... People, young people don't realize how long life is. I mean, you know, how many years they have ahead of them and that it's a game, strategic placement and all of that kind of thing. And sometimes you take jobs maybe that are lateral yes, um, or that are not even what you thought you wanted to take, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to benefit from that as well in ways you don't understand at the time. So. Absolutely. On my podcast, I interviewed John Dempsey, who's the um, global group. I love that group, podcast. Thank you. The global group president of Estee Lauder, mm-hmm. who's had the most storied career. At, I mm-hmm. mean, one of the most unbelievable careers. He's, you know, responsible for making Matt Cosmetics, what it right. is today, Tom Ford Beauty. I mean, the list goes on. And he very specifically talks about making lateral moves and even pay cuts sometimes because mm-hmm. he recognized sorry it's okay because he recognized the long-term value of making the switch and even though maybe in the beginning it wasn't going to be the same title or the same pay mm-hmm. but right. eventually it was going to far exceed what he was making right. and i think that a lot of times people are so small-minded they're like well if i don't get a five thousand dollar raise then i'm not taking that job and it's like five thousand dollars after taxes is like 200 bucks right like you're gonna say no to an amazing opportunity for 200 bucks right don't quote me on that math because i'm (laughs) but you get the point like i do it's 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 stupid right yeah oh my gosh well one of these reasons that the young people are wanting things to happen so quickly is because we see there are all these lists and there are all these people that accomplish things at such a young age. So then you're like, well, I need to be accomplishing something by that age. <laughs> the by, same by thing. 30, or I better. should have already been. Yes. Yeah. Oh you know, you're God. right. Like the Forbes 30 under 30, right. etc. And you know, I think they even added Forbes 40 over 40. You know, they added other categories. You know, those lists are. I really believe that they are generated from, they start with the editor who's putting it together and it's all through her network. It's right. all yep. people, they know every single one of those people. It's it's not, Yes. they're not real. Right. right. You know, it's it's really just shedding, you know, light on like your friends pretty yes. much. Yes. And yes, there and are people business. who are publicly, you know, known and should get the credit for doing amazing mm-hmm. things. But for the most part, it's it's a popularity contest. Right, that's very true. What impresses you most from an intern or someone with positions below yours? Someone who says yes to everything with bells on. You know, (laughs) I look for high energy. 
I want someone who's not going to just be sitting there, like waiting to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. I want high energy. I want passion. I want ideas. I want someone who looks excited to be there. Um, and surprisingly, a lot of interns don't show that. Right. So I think it's really important. You have to impress the people you're working for. Just because you intern somewhere doesn't mean that anyone's going to recommend you after. Right. That. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And again, with the no ego, even if someone asks you to get coffee or get your lunch, instead of complaining and saying, well, this is beneath me, right. you need to go. Even if you can't attend that meeting, you're trusted. You're, that is your main job, to right. go get the coffee. And one day you can... Remember the way they like to have their coffee. Remember what time they want to have the coffee. You yes. know, and also, bring it without asking. And also recognize the reason why you're getting the coffee is because your boss is working on something right. important. For the most part. I mean, listen, right. there are people who like to order people around. Sure, sure, sure. Just for sport. I oh, guess sure. that. But it's it's paying your dues. And I think right. also, like, leaving, you know, coming in late. Oh, gosh. Or leaving before yes. your boss does. Don't do that. Or being on your phone. Yeah. 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 Being on your phone all day. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing. If you're going to be at work and be on social all day and your boss sees that, yeah. it's, not oh, a, it's not a good look. No. Mm-mm. And something that I struggle with, and I did not do a good job of this, I think you probably talked about it in the book, but I was of the attitude of I'm here to work. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't like ever leave for coffee or like chat with other people in the office so much. But I felt like the people that had great relationships with the team and didn't necessarily work as much as I did, but they were sometimes the ones getting promoted. So how do you mm. balance chatting versus getting your work done? Networking versus... I think that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think you have to do both. I think you have to put your head down and do the work, but I think you have to be likable. Right. And you have to have relationships in your office mm-hmm. because those people are then going to go to bat for you. Yeah, in sticky situations. So I don't, I don't think you should be someone who is just like head down all day and sort of not talking to people, mm-hmm. just thinking like, oh, but look, I'm working so hard. It's like people are are not going to love that. Yeah. So I think you have to be a team player. Right, and really. it's, it's really hard when there's so much work, and if you're right. in an atmosphere that is sort of in a desperate situation or you know just there's just so much to be done by so few people mm-hmm. that um in order to get everything done and get home by 10 at night you know you you skip lunch you didn't do anything but then there were those people you know and you would always wonder well how are they getting anything done you know but then they were making those relationships people want to work with people they like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay um, walk us through a typical day now for you. <laughs> <laughs> typical day now. So my alarm goes off at 545. Mm-hmm. And even if I forget to set it, my new puppy, Charlie, <laughs> um, will remind me that it's time to wake up. So she barks her little head off. She's a teacup Maltese <laughs> until I, I, I go over to her. And um, I'm hoping she outgrows this soon. <laughs> but I wake up 5.45, I get my coffee, which starts, which is brewed at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Because my husband gets up super early. Mm-hmm. And um, so the coffee is brewed at 3 a.m. I actually think coffee that settles a little bit is better mm-hmm. than fresh brewed coffee. And so I like it to, to sit smell for a little. Too. Yeah, but I actually like when it gets like a little bit, like it just settles a little bit. Yeah. Um, 6 a.m. So I have coffee time with me and my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, I have like a little, like a little seating area in my apartment. 
and the dogs are you know doing their thing I have an older dog Teddy who's two who's a multi-poo and um, six o'clock I go into Sabrina's room and try to wake her up I'm sorry Jonathan's room try to wake him up I usually have to do that like twice mm-hmm. and he's pretty much a trooper so he will get up and he'll go I'll prepare him breakfast and he'll sit down and so that's 6 a.m. he has to be at school at 7 55 mm-hmm. and then Sabrina I don't get up till 7 so I wake her up at 7 she's impossible to wake up I usually stick the dogs on her head <laughs> and um, get her up. We Then I take her to school. Jonathan goes to school by himself. He's in high school. Mm-hmm. I take her to school at 8, 10, mm-hmm. drop her off, and then usually just jump on the subway and head to a client. Mm-hmm. And usually, so Monday through Thursday, I'm at clients, actually in their offices, embedded with their teams. And then Fridays is more like podcast day for me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And then I come home at like, you know, whatever, 6, mm-hmm. 6.30, 7. Do you like to cook? I like to order. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can also plate really well. Yes, me too. <laughs> yes, I have me a lot too. of great serving dishes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're super casual, though, in my house. Yeah. Like, it's like paper plates. Yeah. Just get some food on the table. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, a couple more questions. The first thing I wanted to tell you was, so Delia had the book, and she had read it, and I live in Birmingham, and I'm up here all the time, but we're in these two different locations, so she's like, just wait. When we knew we were going to do this podcast with you, she said, just wait till you get up here and you can read the book. I was like, no, I want to read it now. So I ordered a used copy on Amazon, Mm -hmm. you know, very good condition or whatever it said, (laughs) and it's really fun because it is highlighted throughout. Oh, that's so So I'm reading this book that I know someone cherished you know and just took every word I know me too took every word to heart you know and I just thought that's kind of the thing where you don't know the people that you're reaching you know this person I don't even know who it is but you made a difference in that person's life oh that's such a nice story thank you for sharing that absolutely I and like I said when I was reading I mean like Malibu Barbie I mean all of the names were just hilarious I mean hilarious and I thought I've heard this so many times you know like or my husband would say well she's on her third job in one year what that what's that about somebody's friend's child or something and I said well she said they she just didn't get along with the people and he said she's going to meet him at the next job yeah you know they're every they're in every company yeah so the fact that you go through that and not only do you say you're probably going to run into these people but it's like and this is how you handle it yeah you don't run away you don't leave because of this unless it gets really intense yes but um so i love that you give advice about that because that really is something for life thank you that they're going to be dealing with um and then my other question was, so, and I know part of your answer hopefully will be because you have children, but um, this world is just so out of control, anxiety-ridden mm-hmm. and scary, and you never know what's coming next, sort of. Everybody's mm-hmm. on high alert all the time. So how do you stay positive and calm and find joy in life? Well, I think... First of all, I don't bury my head in the sand. I know a lot of people are like, I can't read the news. Mm-hmm. Like, it's too crazy. It's too depressing. It's like, you're an adult. You mm-hmm. need to read the news. Mm-hmm. You need to know what's happening. So mm-hmm. I'm a very big sort of news person. I mm-hmm. want to know what's happening. I actually, 
um, read Katie Couric's. Um, I need to do that. Her newsletter, Wake that. Up Call, is is great. Okay. I mean, she always starts it off with like what she's doing personally, like that day or that week, and and then goes into you know everything that's happening. And I just I love her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you want to get depressed, you're going to get depressed, mm-hmm. right? We could all get hit by a car today, right? So I believe that you know I can only control what's directly like in my world, mm-hmm. and I can't control anybody right. else. And I can't control what's going to happen. And while we're on this planet, I think you have to be positive. Because otherwise, just being negative just is such an obstacle to success. Right. So it's it's not a choice as far as I'm concerned. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to wake up. I mean, I feel like every day, and this is going to sound so corny, but ever since I've been on my own as a consultant, which is since last March, Mm -hmm. the second time, Every, every time I open my inbox, it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who's emailing Oh, yeah. Right. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, like, right. Who's gonna, you know, who's going to get in touch today out of Absolutely. nowhere? Absolutely. So it's like a game. And I, I also feel like, you know, I'm in control of so much. Like, right. what do I want to do? What do I want to build? What Who do I want to work with? Right. And even if you don't get it or it doesn't happen, you can still try a million times to right. do something. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be positive, and those mm-hmm. are just some. But the news, I mean, the world, it's just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's kind of always been insane. I think digital right. just makes it so much more in your face. 24-7. You know, Global. the newspapers throughout these past decades, they weren't positive right. stuff. Like, there were horrible yeah. things happening in the world. But yeah. right. if you didn't read a newspaper, you didn't know about it. Now right. it's just, it's in your face. Breaking so I think news. it's it's much more... Um, yeah. Present. Yeah. And I thought it was so important when you were talking about if you're going to an event, you need to know what's happening. Just read through some headlines, know what's happening in the world so that you can contribute to the conversation and not say, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yes. For sure that. And also research your the host. People, your host. Yes. Anyone yes. that's, you know, on the committee or whatever, you right. need to know who you're seeing. Yeah. Right. So I think that's like, that's the thing that separates people from you know like you will be the person do you we would be the type people that before we go we take the time it's not that much fun to sit down and go okay now we're going to you know um research everyone on this list and see who they are and and think of talking points and things like that and maybe i'd like to have a picture with this person and things like that strategize the same thing with so many people were reaching out today and wanting to know how she got into the fashion industry Mm -hmm. and got to barney's at such a young age etc and so that's when she started her blog because we knew most of the people that want to be in this industry Mm -hmm. your industry they do want very much to do it, but they're not going to do the work. They're not going to be the one in college that never goes on the spring break because she's in New York pounding the pavement, you know, taking people to coffees and reaching out to everybody or before any event, really knowing when she goes, who she wants to meet and make the most. The first event I went to deal with here, which was so funny because it was, I mean, my aunt and uncle live here. I've been here my whole life, but not to a lot of the events, especially the Frick Young Fellows Ball. Oh. At 56 or whatever. Yes, I actually I was, sponsored 55. that one year for well, Donna Karen. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Well, we went a couple years ago, and Delia was like, we met back up, and she said, who have you met? And I was like, what? You know, I just went to get something I to drink. You. And she goes, I'm not going to be able to take you any more of these things if you don't put yourself out there and meet more people. And she said, when we meet again, you report to me three people that you've met. 
that are interested. And I'm like, they're all your age. I mean, I'm like, hi, I'm Delia's mom. And she's like, and don't say that. Okay, you're amazing. So I think what, what you're what you're pointing toward, and what's so super important, like you landed in fashion because you hustled. Right. Yes. You hustled. You networked like it was your job, which it yes. was, right? Still is. Right. But I think the key thing here is you have to be shameless about it. You right. can't be like standing on ceremony like, oh, yes. I don't want to reach out. I, yes. You know, they should come to me. No one is coming to you. Right. No one is coming to you. Okay? <laughs> or I don't want to bother them. Right. It's like That's you have to be thing. shameless. You, you know, the cold pitch. It feels awkward to it feels yes. awkward to me. I hate reaching out to sure. people. Sure. But you have to do it. Right. And it's certainly, exactly right. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, that's the only way right. you're going to succeed. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you think you're being pushy, there are people that are being way more pushy than you ever could imagine. That yeah. And listen, there's a healthy balance. I mean, right. no one wants to be stalked or annoyed. No. But, but you've got you've to gotta not be embarrassed to... Right. Stand up for yourself and... To, to reach out. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How do you think that you kept DKNY PR girl secret for two whole years? Um, I, you and know, what was it like to go through that? Well, first of all, I think Twitter was new to fashion, and DQ mm-hmm. and PR Girl was the first. Mm-hmm. So no one really understood what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So no one really knew what Twitter was. Mm-hmm. You know, people would be like, "Oh, she does that thing," mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. the office, like mm-hmm. the few people who knew. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of this honor code of like the people at work who knew just knew that they didn't want to be the ones to. Right. destroy it and w- since it was catching and it was on working. right it was working um, and remember it was gossip girl season two time so it was like very much feeling in that vein right. of, like this sexy behind the Secret. scenes fly on the wall situation so people just loved it and I would say that um, you know it was not embarrassing I don't know if that's the right word but a little bit in the sense mm-hmm. that I spent so much time doing this and like no one really understood it. Like my husband, mm-hmm. he would just make fun of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you're talking to your fake friends. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, they're not fake. These are real people responding to right. me. And they think I'm but real. No one, he, you know, his perspective was like, right. she's just wasting all this time Sure. on this platform. Right. And I think a lot of people thought that, like, cause I was doing it like a hundred times a day, like 24 yeah. hours a day, seven right. days a week. And I didn't feel like it was a waste of time because I, I knew the connections I was making. I oh, felt yeah. the community, but it was hard to explain to anyone yes, else. Yes, yes, yes. So just... I, I think it, it, it remained a secret. Um, one, because the people inside the company who knew really were supportive. And two, um, you know, it was still this niche mm-hmm. sort of area in social where mm-hmm. not a lot of people were on it mm-hmm. that I knew. What did Donna? What did Donna think? Did she understand it? She, she just understood it, it. She knew what I was doing. She wasn't on the platform, and I think mm-hmm. if you're not on the platform as a participant, you mm-hmm. don't really understand. My CEO at the time, Mark Weber, who was very very supportive, also like, you know, I I once pulled it up on like, you know, a screen in the mm-hmm. conference room, and I'm like, I just want to show you what I'm doing, right. what they're saying, right. So like I went on Twitter and I'm like, hey guys, I'm showing my C- I'm trying to show my CEO what Twitter is like. Say hi and say what country you're in. And then all of a sudden it was hundreds wow. of people from all different parts of the world. Wow. And he was like blown away. Wow, that's oh neat. And I said, Mark, it's like our own focus group. Right, yeah. absolutely. 
So it was it was really incredible time. Yeah, and I, I'm still super passionate. Yeah, Twitter. I'm on it all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's kind of how I feel too about the style that binds us. The people who follow, especially the three accounts, Allison, Delia, and the style that binds us, they totally understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then my friends who don't have Instagram or if somebody's not following me, they completely don't get it, and it's very hard. You can still describe it to them but they just well and also like that's not your main job like we're not influencers she wasn't hired just to do twitter so that's another complicating thing too when people are trying to figure out you know are you an influencer you know no right right not specifically so yeah i mean i was doing my whole you know huge huge job. job right yeah it was a huge job and then doing this on the side I mean I had IT give me like a second screen so mm-hmm. I can monitor Twitter all day but mm-hmm. I will say I mean a lot of people do say DK My Pure Girl was the first influencer because oh, yeah, it wasn't sure. a thing back then right you had like bloggers that was it yeah right right Oh my gosh. And we're both Virgos, and I know you're super into astrology. Yes, I'm a Gemini. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> so don't really fun. know much about it, but whenever we read like the Virgo description, that is definitely us. Well, <laughs> better <laughs> Super type A. Yeah. <laughs> Organized. Yes. <laughs> All of the things. Okay, BB, do you have any other questions? Uh, oh, well, tell us. Okay, so like you said, you're consulting. Yes. Tell us. We can wrap it up by you telling us what exactly you are doing mm-hmm. these days and how people can find you. So I am not doing PR anymore, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just overdosed on it. Sure. And it's changed so much that sure. it's just like not something that interests me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I'm really focused on creative brand marketing Mm -hmm. and digital. So really thinking about what the content should look and feel like and then producing it Mm -hmm. and then mapping out where it should go. So whether that's email marketing or organic social or paid social or actual, you know, display ads, like Mm -hmm. really thinking about content. in a in a sort of deep dive way so that's like my consulting job right now of mm-hmm. course you know i i love thinking about brand voice and and thinking about how to develop all of that um and i can of course weigh in on influencer strategy and mm-hmm. communication strategy but i definitely don't want to be pitching anything mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. doing sort of my old job um anymore i what else am i doing i write um for Forbes, mm-hmm. contribute there, and for the New York Post from time to time, and so that's fun. And then, you know, I started the Leave Your Mark podcast just in September, mm-hmm. so that has been, I, I didn't quite realize how full on that would be, <laughs> right. um, but it's pretty full on, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's been fun. So I mean, much fun. It's so much fun. It's definitely a time suck, but it's so much fun, and I'm just you know, grateful for my friends who have agreed to come on. Yes. Um, so, so now I'm sort of thinking about Leave Your Mark, you know, more seriously right. from like a brand perspective right. than I used to. It used to just be like, you know, my book, Right. no offense to my book, but it was more right. like, oh yeah, I have a book. Done that. Right. But it wasn't like a brand, so now I feel right. like it's more, it's, 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 I'm like rounding it out more. Right. I think it's the perfect time to do that. Especially yeah. for women. I mean, you know, I, it's in the conversation. And I yeah. feel like when I read this book, I was like, oh, 
now now a whole new group of people needs to read this book. You know, it's not a book that was just for that time. It's yeah, like, thank it you. Needs, yes, definitely. Yeah, and I, I actually to... did update it. I was really lucky oh, because yeah. um, business books um, in my publisher, Grand Central, they stay in circulation in hardcover for two years. So normally you get paperback a year in, but my book didn't go to paperback until later. So when it finally did, they were really gracious and they were like, do you want to make any changes? And I was like, yeah, actually, Mm -hmm. I want to update the whole thing. So I got to update it in 2018. Oh, we'll have to read that version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because mine's a hardcover. So that, yeah. So I take myself out of out of Donna Karen, I tell about my whole sort of 10 months. I tried consulting after right. that and I didn't succeed in, in, my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went back in house to Alison Olivia. So oh, yeah, I, I talk all about that. all of that. So it's a whole, it's a whole different feel. Yeah. Is that the book you have? No, baby. My, I got my, the book when it just came out. Well, I haven't read all that yet, so we'll have to get a, the new one. It's the, the paperback. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. great. I mean, I feel like it's the kind of book you want to give people when they graduate from college, <laughs> yes. high school, and everything. In fact, a lot of people, have. a lot of executives who I know who have had assistants in yeah. their offices who are less than stellar performers ah. have been like, hey, Merry Christmas, read wow, this. Wow, that's great. Hint. Hint. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And maybe there's like a post-it in there for like... <laughs> Red circle <laughs> around. Chapter six, right now. Just right. Skip ahead. Um, yeah. So that's it's, great. It's been. I'm really grateful for everyone who's read it, and I'm really just so happy that it's helped people get mm-hmm. jobs and feel more confident when they're pursuing jobs. Because yeah, when they're in their job. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's really all I wanted it to do is is help people. I, mm-hmm. You know, there's a coffee cup on the cover because I thought it's my way of grabbing coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all these literally thousands of people who oh, yes. DM me on of Twitter course. and say, can I pick your brain? Of oh, course. Sure. And of I'm like, course. That would be really scary. Right. No one wants their brain picked, you guys. <gasps> right. And I would be sitting there for till the end of time. Yeah, going, it's just next, not next, and, next. And there's too help, many people. You know, yeah. I want to help, but there's of course. Just too many people. Yeah, that was the perfect way to do that. Social media handles. Okay, so Twitter is Aliza Licht. Instagram is Aliza Licht XO because unfortunately someone took my name. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um. Yep, it's true. Wow. And um, where else? Oh, my website AlizaLicht.com. Podcast is Leave Your Mark. And um, you can always reach out on email, which is askaliza at alizalick.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for oh, being here. Yes, thank you definitely. guys so much for having me. You guys are fabulous hosts. Fabulous. We look forward to more of the podcast. Maybe the gift. Oh, the gift, the gift. Oh, thank you. That's so <laughs> sweet of you. Get me a gift. <laughs> I'm sure this will sound really good on me. I know. It does. <laughs> we would skip it's that part. Oh, <laughs> look how it's the same size. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're saying. <laughs> so it is a, the Stab the Minds of Smug for those of you who aren't here, which is everyone but us. And <laughs> <laughs> totally. We wish that you were here. We really do. But <gasps> basically, whenever you drink out of your Stab the Minds of Smug, we want you to, we want you to think about how you will live a stylish and fearless life. Aww, Which that you is certainly are doing. Which is great sentiment. Yes. Aww. Okay, well, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. 
If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.